Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Oh Lord, I need you. Welcome to Finding Your Way on Spirit Filled Radio with hosts Ralph Linsmeyer and Mark Prather. Ralph and Mark are successful business professionals, members of the Catholic CEO group Legatus, and generous donors to Catholic schools and charities. This show is dedicated to sharing the testimonies of those serving God in big and small ways and helping listeners walk in the footsteps of Christ. Here is your host to make introductions. Hello, this is Mark Prather and Ralph Linsmeyer on Spirit-Filled Radio Network. And welcome to our show, Finding Your Way. So let's start with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this opportunity and blessing of life. But along with this life comes many challenges. We pray that you bless us with your wisdom so that we may be of assistance in the lives of those that are listening to overcome their challenges in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is indeed a pleasure to welcome Pat Powers to our program today. Pat is an investment advisor. Pat is a good friend and a true inspiration. For 20 years or so, Pat has been a member of the Order of Malta, which is the church's, our church's oldest lay order. The order's charism is service to the poor and sick. Over the years, Pat has done extraordinary things in terms of service to the poor and sick. Pat throws himself into service. I'm sure you'll be inspired as I have been for so many years. So Pat, welcome. Could you please just share us a little bit of your faith experience? Well, Ralph, uh, thanks for uh, having me. My faith experience is probably pretty ordinary, but I was blessed to be born (laughs) a Catholic and uh, uh, baptized actually at uh, St. Benedict's in Atchison, Kansas, where Benedictine College is. My father and mother are both from there. My mother was a convert to Catholicism when they got married. And my dad just grew up with this incredibly deep faith. I mean, he had it from a very, very early age. His parents couldn't afford to send him to a Catholic school, but somehow they managed it. And uh, he has inspired my brother and my sisters uh, tremendously and has led us throughout our lives in our faith and still does today. I'm blessed that, uh, you know, they're both in their 90s and they're still going to Mass every day. And and he's involved in projects in the church constantly. And it, it's he's been a wonderful leader for our family. Thank you. That's a good insight. But it's so fascinating, Pat. I've seen you in action for so many years now, and and you just jump into things. What actually inspired your commitment to the poor and to the sick? Well, I think a, a turning point for our family was in 1988 when my father asked my brother and my sisters if we'd like to go to Medjugorje. And uh, it was relatively new at that time. He had heard about the miracles, wanted to check it out for himself. We were kind of skeptical. He enticed us by saying that if we you go to Medjugorje with me, I'll take you to Rome as well. And so we went. <laughs> and, uh, and we were pretty skeptical. But Medjugorje was a transformational moment in our family. I mean, we experienced the miracles there and the apparitions and the sun spinning and, and uh, the rosaries changing color and, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, that really propelled uh, all of us, I think, into uh, a whole different outlook on our faith and a desire to really appreciate it more and to get involved more. And now you've been to Lourdes a few times. How many times have you been to Lourdes? Oh, gosh. I've been uh, 
to Lourdes with the Order of Malta uh, on pilgrimage uh, 17. This will be my 17th time this year. And uh, I started uh, in 2000, the year 2000, uh, just a year after I was invested into the order. And it just bites you and sucks you in and <laughs> you can't let go. It's just one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. And what that experience is, is just being in service of the poor and the sick 24 hours a day for the seven days that we're there in the presence of Our Lady. And it's just a powerful, powerful, powerful experience. So, Pat, what inspires this trip to Lourdes? What's, ha- what's it all about? Uh, it's the opportunity, and I really use that word um, uh, carefully. It's the opportunity to be in the service of someone other than yourself. And you can't think of anything but these people that you take to Lourdes. We take really sick people there, Ralph. We take people that are quite possibly terminal, who have you know chronic conditions that they're not going to recover from unless they do have a miracle. And you're just there to be in their service, and you're thinking about somebody other than yourself for the entire time that you're there. And you feel so privileged to be there. So it's just a powerful, powerful experience. And you really do feel like you're, you are in the presence of Our Lady. It's uh, just a palpable kind of an experience. So you have you have these people you're traveling with now. Who are they? they what how, what are they called? What what is the um, yeah? We call the 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 sick people that we take over there. We call them malades. You know, it comes from the word malady and and uh, the French version of uh, of someone who's sick is malade. And so we call them malades, and we take them as our guest. They also uh, each one has a companion that goes with them. It's probably a spouse or a mother or father or sister or brother. And uh, they pay their own way. But um, we take about 50 to 55 of them uh, over there from the Western Association each year. And we're just one association that uh, goes to Lourdes the first week in May, usually. There's normally about 8,000 knights and dames and volunteers and malads and companions that are in Lourdes from all over the world that week. And so when we go, when our Western Association goes, we'll take about 50 malads. Each one has a companion, so that's another 50. And then there's 250 knights and dames and volunteers that are there in their service for that entire week. And it's a 24-7, you know, privilege to, you know, to serve those people. And it's interesting. You know, we see healing. We see miraculous healing over there. We see malads that, that do experience miraculous healing. But it's amazing how often the healing is not about the malad. It's about the companion. Or it may be about the knight or the dame or the volunteer that's serving these people. You just never know, you know, who is in need of healing. And sometimes it's just not who you think. Pat, I, got, I have a question. You told your first story about your first trip to Magicora, and, and you kind of brushed over it, but, but this was a monumental moment for you. And so many people believe, and I'm talking about believers, they believe that God is more of a spectator, not really engaged in, in our lives. That they're just they're trying to build their faith. How is your belief, like what you believed before you went on that trip, and then had that initial experience, and how has your your beliefs kind of morphed from what you've experienced over your life? Well, that's a good question. I, I boy, I think back to my first pilgrimage over there, and I remember a malad. Her name was Colleen, and uh, Colleen had cancer, and it was terminal. I was assigned to her team and uh, and spent quite a bit of time with her. And it was so painful for me because I had just lost a wife to cancer uh, about a year before that. And I'm going over there and I'm assigned to Colleen and I'm going, God, you know, this is, you know, what's going on here? Seriously? And, you know, God... <laughs> 
God knows what we need more than we know. And uh, because of my experience in losing my wife, I was in a particularly unusual place to minister to Colleen. And, and at the same time, she ministered to me. And maybe only I could have done that based on my experience. So it's like that all the time. You just go over there and you just see instance after instance after instance where you realize that God knows more than you do. And I'll tell you one other story. There was a Sunday that I wasn't feeling good. I was I was not feeling good at all, and I wasn't going to go to Mass. And, and then I started feeling better later in the morning, and I thought, well, I can go to Mass at St. Martin's. It's close to me. I don't usually go there. I go to another parish, but it was close to me, and I thought, okay, I can make the 11 o'clock Mass. And so I went, and I just kind of sat in the in one of the back pews, and I noticed a, a mother and a and a grandmother wheel in a young man. He's about eighteen, and he had uh, muscular dystrophy. and uh, And I just I was struck. I couldn't take my eyes off him. I was struck by how attentive he was during the mass. He was just so attentive. But my eyes kept going to his mother, you know, to his mother, and I just kept you know, wondering what it was that she was going through. And I could just, I'm kind of a shy kind of a guy, and I'm not one to go up to people and, you know, kind of force myself on them. But I feel like the Holy Spirit was just pushing me down this pew, you know, closer and closer to them. And I knew, I just knew that I had to go up to them afterwards and talk to them about going to Lourdes with us. And so I did and and uh, uh, had a brief conversation with the mother by the time I got home, I had a message from her saying that she had talked to the grandmother, and the grandmother says, order a Malta. Are you kidding me? Call him right away. Tell him you'll go. You'll go, you know? And so it was interesting. Uh, they went with us, and I thought it was all about the healing of, you know, of the son. His name was Bryce. And boy, was I wrong. It was all about the mother. You know, it was the mother that needed the healing. Bryce was ju- doing just fine. He had his computer. He could control it with his eyeballs. He was going to college. He was figuring it out and making it as making his way. But his mother was carrying this tremendous, tremendous burden from, you know, the birth incident that created this situation and the healing was about her, not about Bryce. And you just you just see that all the time. You're just so surprised. Every single trip, you know, you're surprised by what happens. You are on Spirit-Filled Radio with Ralph Linsmeyer and Mark Prather. And this is Finding Your Way with Pat Powers. And Pat is talking about the service that he's experienced with the Order of Malta. Pat, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the traditions of the Order of Malta, the service to the poor and sick, and maybe some of the other service that you're involved in with the Order? Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, Order of Malta is the oldest order of knighthood uh, in the world, and it goes all the way back to, you know, really the, the you know the ten nineties when there was a, a hospice in Jerusalem, and it was run by a brother Gerard, and knights would volunteer there. And the hospice was called the Hospice of Saint John the Baptist, and so the knights that volunteered there came to be known as the Knights of St. John. And it just kind of kind of grew. And out of that, the charism of the order, even when it was a military order, and it was, it the Knights of Malta ruled the Mediterranean for about 500 years until they surrendered to Napoleon in 1897, I believe. Uh, but all that time, its charism has been working in hospitals and helping the poor and the sick. And so we don't uh, have any of the military trappings today, per se, but we still have that charism of helping the poor and the sick, and that's the charge of the order. By the way, who are the poor and the sick? 
The poor and the sick are um, our lords, the poor and the sick is what we, how we refer to them. Our lords, the poor, the sick. And it just goes back to, you know, looking in the face of these people and seeing the face of Christ. And it's anybody that is suffering, um, regardless of their race, regardless of their religion, regardless of where they live. And the Order of Malta all over the world has services that they provide to these people. It may be ambulance services. It may be hospitals. One that's near and dear to my heart is the Holy Family Maternity hospital in Bethlehem and this is an order of Malta project it flies the order of Malta cross last year we delivered 4300 babies and um, some of these babies are as little as a pound and a half and they thrive and they survive because of the services that are provided by this hospital and these are not Catholic or or even Christian mothers and babies that we're helping most of the time I mean there are some of course but most of these are uh, West Bank Palestinians that uh, um, have tremendous needs because because of poor prenatal care and some genetic uh, issues that they have. So, you know, we're doing that all over the world. Locally, we're doing things like working in soup kitchens, working in overnight shelters, uh, working in uh, food banks, uh, sorting food, uh, handing out uh, dinners at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and and serving the poor uh, on those occasions as well, preparing hygiene kits, doing mobile ministries. We have uh, vans that are going out seven days a week and giving shots and doing health care screenings and that type of thing. We operate uh, a couple of uh, medical clinics, uh, free clinics for the poor and the sick in California. So there's just uh, many, many, many opportunities to serve the poor and the sick through the Order of Malta. The people that you are helping that are struggling with their faith, what is your advice? What, what kind of conversations do you have to give them some hope and try to get that journey and start to build their faith and their trust in God? Well, it's interesting. You know, there's all different kinds of opportunities there. One of the one of the most interesting ones, I think, is you know when we take the malads, uh, you know, who are the, who are the sick people, when we take them to Lourdes, we don't talk to them. We don't ask them about what's wrong with them. We'll have different teams of people, and we're assigned malads to care for, and we don't initiate a conversation with, you know, why are you here? You know, what are you doing here? What's wrong with you? You know, uh, if they want to talk about it, we're there to talk about it, but that's not why we're there. We're just there to serve them, you know, and we don't need to know, you know, their secrets and their history and their health and stuff like that. It usually comes out, but it's not because we've asked. So the opportunity is, is to be there and to serve and leave it at that. And it's kind of the same thing when we're helping the poor and the sick in the shelters. You know, we're there to care for them, to help them, to make their day a little bit better than it would have been otherwise. And the best way we can, you know, maybe turn on a light bulb or um, help them to see a path to a closer relationship with God is just by example. You know, just by example. So we're there. We're just there, Catholic men and women, and and we're there to serve the poor and the sick. And they might raise some eyebrows and they might say, "Who are you? And what are you doing here?" And we have a chance to talk to them. But the best way is just through example. Just through example. Yeah, just seeing, experiencing love, basically unconditional mm-hmm. love. That's what mm-hmm. you're bringing them, right? Exactly, Mark. Yeah. That is exactly right. By the way, the Lord's experience is something amazing. Could you talk about the the celebration toward the end of the Lourdes experience for the whole team as they come together, as they come together really as one? What is one word that could describe what they're experiencing toward the end of that, that pilgrimage? 
Well, it's a good question, Ralph. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's such a powerful experience, and uh, we all come together the night before we leave, and we have a we'll have a team dinner. We'll have two dinners, really. Um, we'll have a team dinner one night, and then the next night we'll have a dinner for you know all of the teams together. And on that last night, when we have all the teams together, we'll ask um, uh, a malad or a companion from each team to get up and speak. And oh my gosh, you know, it's I'd say gratitude is is the one word that comes to mind. You know, the malads and the companions are so grateful to us that it, it's embarrassing to us, really. But because and you, and the reason it is embarrassing to us is that we're because we're sitting there thinking, no man, it is us who are grateful to you. You know what you've done for <clears throat> us this week. You know is just gigantic compared to you know the service that we've provided to you. So I think I think the one word I would use is really gratitude. I, I think that's right on. Let me share a little bit other. Okay, another little insight. Okay, soon our Father, we're asked to make heaven on earth. I actually think that experience is somewhat akin to heaven on earth there has been love so it's gratitude it's certainly love there's mm-hmm. love that's bonding these people together the love is so profound it's palpable mm-hmm. it's so obvious during the whole pilgrimage at the end it's almost a little bit like heaven on earth mm-hmm. it is it is and you know we take the the, the malads to the baths and they do all of that and there's a lot of healings that come from those baths that really truly are the last certified miracle was just uh, a couple of years ago, 2018. But there's a lot of uh, miraculous healings there. But even more than that, on Sunday, we'll have um, uh, Eucharistic adoration in the large basilica. It's an underground basilica. It holds about 20,000 people. And it will be full when we're there. And the Eucharistic adoration is so incredibly powerful. And there are more healings that come, many more healings that come as a result of that Eucharistic adoration than than there are people going in the baths. And 20,000 people, they walk around the entire basilica, you know, holding the the monstrance with the Eucharist in it, and they just stop in front of the malads and hold it there for them to gaze upon our Lord. And, And you could hear a pin drop. You could just hear a pin drop. And it's just an incredibly powerful experience that's all about, you know, love. Pat, can you tell us a little bit about Lourdes itself? What is Lourdes? Tell us about how Lourdes was St. Bernadette, the whole story, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, Lourdes was just a, a you know a little uh, town at the foot of the Pyrenees. Its uh, elevation is about a thousand feet, and the mountains around it are about four thousand feet. And it's just a, a kind of a quaint little village. And there was a young girl there. Mary likes to appear to <laughs> to the young ones, you know, and the poor. And she was just a relatively poor girl. Her name was Bernadette. And she and her sister and a friend were out uh, looking for some firewood uh, by the river. And uh, two of the kids crossed the river. Bernadette was taking off her shoes and socks, and she heard a noise behind her. And she turned to look into a grotto, and she saw our lady standing there. And that was the first apparition, and it was the first of 18 that occurred in from February to July in 1858. And the highlight of these apparitions was uh, the local priest kept prodding Bernadette to ask the lady her name, to ask the lady her name. And so finally, uh, Bernadette did, and the lady said, I am the Immaculate Conception. And that just floored everybody because the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception had only been promulgated by Pope Pius the. 
10th or the 9th, I'm not sure which, in 1854, and Bernadette was uneducated, totally illiterate, and had no way of, she'd never heard that term before, didn't know what it meant or anything. And so that really got everybody's attention, and the crowds grew, and, and the miracles, you know, started, and and that's what it was. That was kind of the genesis of uh, of the healing was the, on one occasion, Mary asked uh, Bernadette to scratch the ground, and she did, and a spring came up, and, and those springs, that very spring still fills the baths today, and that's the those are the baths that the people go into for healing. Remarkable, Pat. Just think about this. What a wonderful story. Thank you so much. But when Bernadette was there in the grotto and her sister and her friend were off playing down by the river and Bernadette went went into the grotto and she heard whoosh, yeah. whoosh. Mm-hmm. Now, had it been you or me, perhaps we would just gone on with life. Yep. But her attention was there mm-hmm. and she paid attention. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. That's what we need to do perhaps every day. Perhaps yeah. you can reflect on this, Pat. Pat, how do you start your day? Or do you start running? You're an investment advisor. You just get straight into your work? Or do you actually, how do you start your day? Do you start with a little reflection? Yeah. Are you in tune? Would you hear Mary? Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, Ralph. You know, my wife and I have walked the Camino. And the one word that uh, describes our Camino experience, I think, is gratitude as well. And we couldn't help but reflect on that. And that's just been kind of a, a key word in my life ever since. And when I wake up in the morning, you know, the first, what I've been what I've been doing is, and it sounds kind of weird, but you know the prayer, bless us, O Lord, and these I gifts, you know what we say between meals. I get up in the morning, I usually walk to our back door. We've got a, a sliding glass door and we have a nice view out there. And I look out there and I just go, God, you know, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts. And I'm not talking about just the food I'm going to eat today. I'm talking about everything that comes my way today. And and I'll say that blessing, but, but it's all encompassing. You know, it's blessed, you know, Lord, you know, thank you for blessing us and these thy gifts, which we're about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. And, and that means everything that happens during the day. And I think that's a good way to start the day. <laughs> so you're ready. You're on Spiritville Radio with Mark Prather and Ralph Linsmeyer. This is Finding Your Way with Pat Powers. Pat, I have a question for you in that we're in a world where faith is declining. Faith in this country is declining. And the messages that the message you're sharing today and the stories you're sharing today to me is, is awesome because it shows a, you know, how alive you know, God and Jesus are in our lives. But my question is this. How do you personally navigate your faith with all the craziness that's, that's going on in the world and not let the craziest or the insanity of the world and keep your focus on your faith? I'll tell you, it's pretty easy. I firmly believe that God does everything but hit us over the head with a two-by-four to get our attention. And he's constantly putting things in front of us that that will lead us to him if we would only take the time to open our minds and our hearts and our uh, awareness, you know, to these things. And so often we get so doggone busy and we go through life and we just miss all the signals. We miss all the signals. And I'll give you a couple of, uh, of examples. You know, the miracles that are experienced in Lourdes are there. You know, I've seen Malads over there that were miraculously healed. Why don't we ever hear about those? Why don't we ever, why aren't those on the five o'clock news? You know, 
People choose to ignore those. They choose not to believe in those. I'll give you another example, and this might sound kind of silly, but I don't think it is. I think it's one of those times where God was trying to get my attention, and this was right after my wife, uh, Jackie, passed away. She passed away in 1998 in November, and it was January, and um, I was sitting in the kitchen reading the newspaper, and Jackie's son, my stepson, who was uh, about 11, was watching TV, and I said, John, what are we going to do tonight? It's Saturday night. You know, we got to do something. We can't just sit here in the in the house, and I said, look, I said in the sports page here, there's a rodeo, you know, on tonight at the at the pond, the Anaheim Pond. And, and I said, you want to go? He, I said, call up Michael and Anthony and see if they're available. And, and if they are, we'll all go. And this is like three in the afternoon. So they were available. We decided to go to the rodeo there. We didn't have any tickets. There's like a dozen windows open, 10 people in each line. And uh, we go up and I said, just give me the best available as last minute. And we got these tickets, four tickets. And I looked at these four tickets, and they were section 411, row M, seats 9, 10, 11, and 12. Okay? Why would I remember that? Okay? Jackie and I had, we got season tickets to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim when they first came to Anaheim. And uh, we just thought it would be something fun. We got four seats. We went with other couples all the time, and it was just kind of a big part of our life, something that we just really enjoyed doing. And we'd go to about three-quarters of the games. Our seats were section 411, row M, seats 9, 10, 11, and 12. I just looked up. I saw these tickets. I couldn't believe it. I start crying. I look up into heaven, and I go, God, thank you so much for letting me know that Jackie's okay. And that's what I mean. Some people are going to look at that and say, oh, what a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. That's God hitting me over the head with a two-by-four, you know, to let me know that he is there. And he does that so darn often to each and every one of us. But we have to be aware. We have to be receptive. And that's the key. But we can't really be aware and receptive unless we tune in, okay? Tune in. And so Mm -hmm. every day we need to start with a period of reflection, okay? And if we do that, we we're, we can be more receptive. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't you say that's true? Pat? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, people they want to rely only on their eyes, and like mm-hmm. to say, you know, is our eyes can blind us? Mm-hmm. We have many more senses, mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. and so much of it, frankly, is just common sense. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but that that's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. So we're we're at a, a kind of a transition point. You know, Pat, you've shared so many wonderful things. We'd like to talk all afternoon, by the way. <laughs> the Camino, the trip, to, you know, I'd love to hear more about that. But I think, Pat, we'd love to have you perhaps close us in prayer. I'd be happy to, Ralph. Our Lady, we thank you for wrapping us in your warm and loving embrace. We thank you for interceding on behalf of all who are in our thoughts and prayers and our intentions. And we are so grateful for you leading us to your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we ask you to, to please uh, help those who are seriously sick, afflicted, and addicted. We ask you to reach out and touch them and hold them and to heal them and their loved ones and caregivers as they go about their journey, wherever it might lead, according to your will. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much, Pat Powers. You're with Spirit-Filled Radios on Finding Your Way. 
You've been listening to Finding Your Way with hosts Ralph Linsmeyer and Mark Prather. For more, go to spiritfilledmedia.org. That's spiritfilledmedia.org. In closing, we share this word from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His footsteps. Take care, friend. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.